Life is hectic, demanding, and doesn't stop. When honest with ourselves, we must confess we often don't know what the hell we're doing. The LARCast is an ongoing conversation about the inclusive and mischievous nature of God's presence through the lens of all the things that make up this phenomenon we refer to as life. Astonishing grace and refreshing honesty collide right here for your weekly encouragement. the lark cast what's up russ how you doing man cheers good, to you man. good good morning yeah, dude good morning to you thank you what you got in that mug bro um well a couple things going on with this mug number one i've got some <laughs> iced coffee in here oh okay iced coffee um, i guess that's how you got to do it in florida something i've been learning to enjoy recently um, yeah heck summer yeah. is upon us and I have a reminder here on this mug every time I drink it that says you can't <laughs> polish a turd. That's a good mug. <laughs> it is. It's I like that. Life's. Do you do you have uh cream in your iced coffee? <laughs> um is there like some other way of drinking it? <laughs> Just so you guys know, this has been like how long have I known you? 2014. Uh, yeah. This is like been a nine-year conversation um, of how to appropriately drink coffee. I, of course, am coming from uh, the purest camp of black coffee only, and mm. and Russ is a, a big fan of the uh, of the creamer. And oddly enough, I did not have any um, beans at home. I usually make my you know coffee in the morning, and I had to rush on the way over here. Ran out of beans. And I got to the gas station, which is literally the worst place on earth to purchase coffee. And if you know, like with me being, know about that. being the big coffee snob, I am, <laughs> you know, it's definitely like, this is not a good start to my morning. Like I'm already compromising you know, today. And, um, you know, it's one of those things like a machine and they try to make it look all like, you know, craft and, you know, you know, all that kind of stuff. And um, I got an Americano. And it was just so bad, I had to put cream in it. So, mm. cre- so cream for me is kind of like that neutralizing, you know, thing. When it's just straight up bad, I put some half and half in there, and um, that's what I got going on this morning. So my day is not off to an ideal start. I'll probably get on to correcting my ways, you know, getting back on track later yes. this afternoon. I'll probably. Make make it right, make myself right. Get yep. back to the standard, my standard of living, which is black coffee. Right now, I'm living in kind of like an unideal situation. So I'm a I'll I'll make it right. I'll get I'll get there. I feel like you could take the word coffee out of that whole scenario, <laughs> fill it with anything else, and just kind of capture the hearts and minds of people around the world yeah i'm just um, not flourishing right now you know no yeah i've, I've got this sort of I, I picture of like this ideal this ideal self that i've sort of concocted man of, yes you know, this ideal cup of coffee and i'm 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 just i'm not there i'm not there and there's some things that i'm really gonna need to, to button up dude to get there i so will say for- this on the coffee thing um i disagree with you dude wholeheartedly 
Oh yeah, I know. And I know I love your illustration because it leads right Noted. into our conversation today. That was that was smooth, man. That was a little pastoral moment there. A little hashtag pastor moment. But I think uh I think racetrack, man, offers a pretty solid cup of joe, bro. I'm just gonna go ahead and say that. Is that a gas station in Florida? Oh bro, there's racetracks everywhere in Florida. <laughs> Do we have family expresses out here? And speedways, speedways, okay, and Casey's, yeah, man. I'm a, and I will say, if you have a minute to spare, if you want like a really good cup of coffee to go hit, hit you a Waffle House. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, man. Okay, so for those who are joining us, we are uh, five. This is the fifth podcast in uh, just a series of podcasts we're doing on the book that you and I wrote together. It's called Reclaim. Uh, you can get it um, on Amazon. If you want to learn more about it, go to larksite.com. Um, you know, there's a little description there. Um, but we're podcasting through this flagship resource. It was something that really was like five, six years in the making Kind of started with you um, just scratching notes on napkins at bars and conversations. And that got turned into like talks and PDFs and workshops that we did. And eventually we were just like, dude, we need to make this thing a book. Um, and in, I think it was like 2019, um, something like that. We we kind of put together in that format and published it. And since we started the LARCast, we had not began a conversation of this or that. So that's what we're doing. If you um, are just tuning in to the Larkast, so maybe back up a little bit to the very first podcast, Reclaim Colon Jesus. Uh, that's the first one in this series. Um, but today we're talking about um, really the Christian life. And we've been talking a lot about Jesus, his finished work, um, everything that was accomplished and wrapped up in that, the freedom, the rest that that brings. And so like most people are like, well, okay, well, well, when are you going to get to talking about, you know, us living the Christian life and doing the right thing and, and walking in holiness and walking by the spirit and, you know, all those kinds of things. And one of the reasons why we waited till chapter five is because usually people just want to just jump in and start at chapter five. Yeah. <laughs> and we miss, we miss, you know, a bunch of things. And also to say the reason why we start chapter five, the way we do is because, man, you can really get some stuff, you know, wrong when it comes to this. And we use the Galatians as a case study at the beginning of the chapter, which really, really quick, just to, just to tee this up, the Galatians were a crew that Paul visited. He brought the gospel to them. They embraced it with joy and with faith. And they were like running, dude. He uses yeah. the phrase, they were running well in the spirit, in love, and in their freedom. Shortly after Paul leaves, these cats come down from Jerusalem and they start to mingle performance with faith. And they say, no, 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 no. We got to get back to the law. We got to get back to the words of Moses. And dude, they really start to get really tripped up. And Paul gets wind of this that they were really the word he uses is bewitched. They were tricked. They yeah. were, they were, they were, they were made confused by these dudes. 
And he was like, hey, really quick, let me ask you guys a question. Like, did you guys receive the spirit by works of the law, by performance? He was like, dude, who's bewitched you? Who's hindered you? Who squashed this joy that was rooted only in staring at the cross, the place where God displayed his love, the place where he displayed that religion is dead, that you're, you've been invited in this thing the whole time. I'm with you the whole time. I've loved you the whole time. And it's really not about anything you're doing, but just simple dependence on me. And so he really takes them to task, man, because they're mingling, right? This rest, this joy with this pursuit and performance. And yeah. so this, this conversation is, is important because we need to take care um, on how we pursue this life we have with Jesus. We do. We, I think we do need to take care of it because, you know, Paul's not only does he have sort of like a warning to the Galatian church and really walks them through a complete understanding of all that, Jesus has declared in regards to who God is and who they are in him because of what Jesus has done. Hence mm -hmm. why we waited till chapter five to get into walking and rest, <laughs> you know, versus it's, you know, because you need this foundational understanding at the core of this thing. Otherwise what sounds like rest isn't restful, right? Mm -hmm. um, you, you eventually start to, at least in my experience, you want you find yourself wanting to feel what you know. You know, it's like uh, I was thinking about this the other day, but like early earlier on in my in my journey of discovering, I feel like this life of grace that Jesus actually unveils for us. I was at a point in my life where I wanted to know what I felt. I felt there was something off. I keep reading about this rest, this joy, this freedom. Okay. I'm, I'm learning that it was for freedom that he set us free, mm -hmm. but, but all I knew was anxiety, frustration, exhaustion, division, this constant effort of defining myself through my cup of coffee, <laughs> you know, and yes. all the things that I say and do. Um, um, and so I start to, you know, you start to discover these truths in the scripture and all of a sudden now you're starting to learn to know what it is that you've been feeling. But if you, what I feel like that happens with the Galatians is they start to move away from that. And, and it's like, it almost like reverses. Mm -hmm. You, um, it's not that you don't know that you don't know what you feel. Now you don't feel what you know. And you start to just get exhausted again. Mm -hmm. And so Paul has some, like, some really harsh words, man, for the Galatian leaders that are passing this on to people. Yeah. I mean, straight up tells them, I wish you would emasculate yourself. Mm -hmm. Just cut it off. <laughs> so we can be done with you and what you're doing. It's like, mm -hmm. I, I mean, you're talking like, you know, some pretty harsh words here. And, you know, one of the quotes that we have in the book is from Dallas Willard, sort of right at the beginning of the chapter. And, and I feel like this is fitting because so many people have been discipled by Willard. And what I found is that although there are things that Willard says that I'm like, amen, there are some things that he teaches that I'm like, I don't think this is what the scriptures say at all. Hmm. In fact, this, what, you, what I feel like he's saying actually aligns with the people Paul's speaking against in Galatians, 
And so one of his probably most famous quotes that you often hear in this conversation of how do we live the Christian life? How do we walk in this rest? Is you always have people say, Russ, you need to remember, grace is not opposed to effort. Okay. It is opposed to earning. Hmm. You got to remember that. Because if you're not careful, people could really start winding up in like this lawless living because they're grabbing onto this grace that you guys are teaching. And I'm like, yeah, I don't I don't think that's the case at all if you're actually grabbing onto what we're saying. But going back to what Willard, I think there's a, you know, there's a little bit of like nuance here that's really required when it comes to the idea of effort. First of all, you really don't know the difference. I don't think any of us really know when we feel it, when we when we move from earning, you know what I'm saying, to effort. Mm-hmm. So right off the bat, it's like, come on, dude. You're splitting some hairs here, and you're dealing with something that nobody actually ever fully understands within themselves. Secondly, the Galatian believers understood that salvation wasn't something to be earned. They knew that, okay? And yet, they caught some very passionate criticism from the Apostle Paul in their effort to sanctify themselves. Yes. So like this isn't for me like a some like a chapter you just sort of whisk through, you know? I I this is a chapter dude I go back and read often. Hmm. Often. And I mean we wrote it. But it's just because it's so easy, man. I found in in this life it's so easy to undo the very life of rest and dependence that we've been given. And in the chapter, the thing that we do right at the beginning, for anybody who's grabbed a copy and following along, you'll notice that right off the bat, we we draw this understanding that between law and grace, there is a there's a relationship between the law of God and the grace of God in the scriptures. And if you miss those, what those are in and of themselves and how they work together, I think that's where you either wind up with this endless life of pride and performance and look at me i'm doing it which case it's like yeah you're full of it you're actually not yeah or you live in this constant pity because you're forever failing at something that you believe god demands of you yeah so that's that's kind of where we are man it's like okay so then what does the scripture say about law dude yeah what does it say yeah that's a good place that's a good place to start because um i think to really capture how um, one might interact with the capital L law of God, since we don't necessarily, everyone doesn't really necessarily live in light of that narrative. Like, so for Mm -hmm. the, you know, for the Galatians and a lot of people that we come into contact with in, you know, first century in the scriptures, that's kind of like a framing narrative. We live in what's considered a secular society. Um, and so we kind of pride ourselves on really just have having been, we've already moved on from religion. We've moved on from the 10 commandments and the law and, you know, all those kinds of things. So we don't have, um, you know, the thou shalt not covets, uh, the thou shalt not, you know, murder. Um, we, if you're living today, you might live under what we would consider a lowercase L law, which is thou shalt be fit. Yeah. Thou shalt be successful. Thou shalt make impact in the world. Yep. You know, thou shalt have a good family. Thou shalt have a flourishing garden in your backyard. Thou shalt eat a certain way. You know, 
Um, And you know, and we all know what it's like to live under the expectations of these oughts and these shoulds. Mm -hmm. And so that pride and that pity comes into play. Either you're not fit enough, not making an impact enough, not successful enough, and you're constantly listening to Instagram influencers telling you what ought to be. So you either grab onto that and have the tools and the resources and the personality to really like get after it. And you have the pride that comes from that. And then you want to jump on and tell everyone else on how to like become like yourself. Or you just live in the pity of like, yeah, dude, like I just, I can't do this. Like that phenomena right there, mm-hmm. the anxiety that comes from that, the pressure that comes from that, the performance and the effort that comes from that, all the whole thing that's at play there is very akin to what's at play with capital L law in the conversation of the scriptures. 100%. And if you go and and if you run with what the scriptures actually say about law, okay, um, then, you know, just a few things that I have found to be, you know, pretty helpful is, is realizing, okay, number one, uh, when you go to Exodus, you discover that the God who brought this law to the world, the one who comes and declares, hey, these are good things to walk in. This is, uh, these are beautiful things to be a part of. <laughs> okay. Life seems to work better if you, if you adhere to these things. Yeah. Um, yeah. The law is good. And in, in, in it tells words. us it's good. And, um, and contrary to what is often taught within you know religious circles the law follows a relationship that he puts in place he doesn't he doesn't give us the law and then says if you do this then there will be a relationship between me and you he yeah, actually the law establishes comes after a relationship the redemption yeah. yeah from egypt law follows it number 2 romans tells us that it's written on everybody's heart so that's why we're all walking around no matter where you go in the world there is this sort of thing in us that that says like yeah the holocaust was what, what took place there is bad. This, this is just bad. This is wrong. You know what I mean? Like there's just like this law's written on our hearts, the scriptures say. Mm-hmm. And so in our conscious breeds, you know, it, it, it breeds witness to this. Um, You can go to Corinthians and we find that this law, you know, the apostle Paul refers to it as the ministry of death. That's what he calls it. The ministry of condemnation. Okay. It's like, Wow. So we, you know, within this chapter, one of the things that we kind of help unpack here is like in seeing what the law is and how it works with the God, with God's grace is you're going, okay, the law is good. It's from God. It's a picture of harmony. Okay. Picture of harmony. It's the best way to put it. Harmony on earth with God and with fellow man. And if we walk in this, these things that are good, it, we bear witness to this God who's, who shows us what harmony looks like. Right? This is all good. Okay. Amen. There's just a problem here. According to what the law actually is, okay, this perfection, this actual picture of righteousness, none of us, as in no one but Jesus himself when walking the earth, no one has ever kept it. Mm-hmm. Because to keep it is to keep it in not just in word and deed, but even in thought and motivation. Yeah. Bro, done. Yeah, right? if like there's just if there's one like crazy thing about the human experience, it's that all of us have a sense of what is right of what we ought to do, 
but we carry in us an absolute inability to follow through on it. <laughs> we are constantly yes. falling short of what we know to be true and right. And so I hear what you're saying is like, the law is good. The law is absolutely good. Jesus affirmed that. The problem is, bro, is that we're not. Right. Right. <laughs> we are, we are not good. You know, um, all of us live with massive inconsistencies. All yeah. of us live with massive shortcomings in every area of life. And so I think really what, what we're kind of building upon is the, the sense of frailty that we all experience. This yep. is not, this is not a, a negotiation, dude. This is something right. that we know if you're honest with yourself, you know, dude, to be human is to just, it's to be frail, to be frail. Yeah. It's to, it's to, at times it's to be frail. It's to be flawed at times, right. To be foolish. <laughs> like this and, is, yeah. this is our, this is our story. And then understanding too, what we've been talking about at the core of humanity is a sense of control. And so when we're faced yeah. with that frailty and we come up against um, this idea that we, we fall short and we don't have it personally, mm -hmm. we don't have it in us, in and of ourselves to make it right, to do right all the time. We all have our ways that we self-sabotage relationships, work relationships, neighborhood relationships, relationships inside of our homes, relationship to ourselves. <clears throat> we, um, shoot, I lost my thought there. What the heck? That's stupid. You know what is good and what is true. Oh, yes. But, it's just that sense of control. Like when we're, yeah. When we're faced with that, we want to take it into our own hands. And I think that speaks right into what you were talking about earlier with this lower case law that we find that's taken on throughout society today. Right. And like no matter where you go in the world today, you'll find a, a tribe of people who are holding up lowercase laws. Mm -hmm. And sometimes you wonder, it's like, well, I'm not I'll, I, I can't seem to really, truly walk in this thing that's written on my heart. The scriptures say that God's revealed. And so now we sort of go on and create our own new laws to define what should and shouldn't be. And and then through this, we can now justify ourselves because because this is something I can control until you realize that even that you can't yeah and so i think that's what we do out of the out of the gate here is when you're talking about walking in the christian life when you're talking about walking in rest you've got to begin with a clear understanding of the relationship between law and grace so the law is forever stands it is good it is beautiful it is a picture of harmony and if we live into this we bear witness to god amen um but this is where grace comes in Grace doesn't come in and remove the law. Grace doesn't come in and say, this law doesn't matter anymore, or I'm moving on past it. That's not at all this idea that we have of Old Testament to New Testament. It's just not true. Um, what grace does is, is God's revealing that even though I'm the one that's given you this picture of harmony for your good, by the way, I'm also the God that knows you're incapable of fully, truly keeping this. Mm-hmm. So I'm not removing the picture of harmony because that would be unloving at the same time. At no point did I ever make you keeping the law a means by which our relationship would be brought together yeah. or kept intact. That's grace, mm -hmm. right? It holds this together. And I think one of the best ways to understand like the contrast and how do you, okay, with that view in mind, how do I go forward? It's 
two things in one hand, put, um, you can either put, you can grab everything into, you know, you can grab the reins and take it into your own hands as you know, you were just saying, and you can run forward with this idea that the Christian life is something that I measure map and manage. The Christian life is something that I'm constantly measuring what I'm thinking, what I'm feeling, what I'm saying, what I'm doing, what I'm not thinking, what I'm not feeling, what I'm not saying, what I'm not doing, how I'm going to better think, say, and do blank. You can go forward constantly measuring that and and mapping out ways to go forward, okay? All the different disciplines and systems and structures and services and all these things that we need to do that we've all come up with and then manage your progress, that can be your life. And and sadly, you can find a lot of notoriety in that in American Christianity. And let me just yeah. rephrase that in worldwide Christianity of what yeah. regards to what's popular. In fact, if you can teach people that, if you can become an influencer of that, mm-hmm. bro, you can downright find fame and fortune. Yep. All right. Now, the contrast of that is what I think the scriptures give us which is not measure, map, and manage. It's wait, watch, and walk Mm -hmm. in what Jesus has actually given to us. Yeah, there's something about us um, that doesn't need to be nurtured or even aroused by talks of the law, mapping, measuring, and managing. There's something in us that needs to be crucified. And it's that old self that wants to map, mm. measure, and manage, finds pride, yeah. you know, in that. Waiting, watching, and walking only makes sense once the penny drops. Mm-hmm. In the gospel, the undiluted, unfiltered, 200-proof grace of God, drunk straight with no chaser, once that is consumed and you know it is finished and there is rest, that gives way to a life of, dependence yes when we embrace the law it's a way for the old man to find its independence and control under this nice kind of spiritual you know guise Mm -hmm. of you know biblical christianity we could put it that way yeah faithful i'm faithful Mm -hmm. yeah and that sadly, this idea of faithfulness has eclipsed the actual thing that matters, which according to the scriptures is faith. <laughs> yeah. Like, this is the difference between all the emphasis and the focus being on you and what you do versus being on Jesus and what Jesus did. Yeah. And, you know, one of the things that I think we, that I, that I love in chapter five is we take some time to really unpack first Corinthians 13 for the camp. That's like, well, man, it all just comes down to love for us. That is biblical Christianity. That is faithfulness. Being a Christian is loving God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength and loving your neighbor as yourself. Like this is what he's called us to do to which case I'm like, yeah, good luck with that. Yeah. Cause if you want an example of a community of people that were really displaying very kind of showy ways you know, really kind of like um, romanticized and like look mm-hmm. at me kind of ways of of living out Christianity with like these displays of like talking in tongues and having like deep understanding, you know, of uh, very difficult things. The Corinthians were, you know, it was they were almost like a showcase, a talent showcase of Christianity. 
Yeah. Um, and Paul really has some pointed words for him in chapter 13. He does. And it's what's so funny is like it's a chapter you only ever really hear about, right? When you go to like a wedding ceremony. Yes. Um, which, by the way, there's no wedding going on at, well, while Paul's writing this letter, nor is it something that he's addressing. And so right. instead, he's moving a camp that on one hand does have a very showy Christianity, but then on the other hand, right, it's just completely in turmoil, right, at the same time, like these are the Corinthians. But you're right, dude, he makes it pretty plain, like all these deep understandings, the knowledge, right, that we're all constantly seeking and trying to perfect the the, sh the show of the tongues and, and gifts. How about, what, what is it, verse three? Oh, and by the way, and all of you who are real serious about service, about denying yourself, about even willing to be burned, be martyred, man, for the cause. Well, listen, guys, just so we're clear, if you've got all these things without love, then you've got nothing. And then again, right, right there, dude, the old man that's in us. Okay, well, how do I measure my love game? Yeah. How do I map forward my love game? <laughs> How do I manage my love game? And then if I do this well, then I can help other people measure, map, and manage their love game. Because because love, again, that's it. And it's like, no, 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 no. The love that God's talking about is, is a fruit of him. Love is not of us. Yeah. It's from somewhere else entirely outside of us. It comes that's from above, as yeah. First John says. We love because he first loved, loved right. us. Uh, love comes, love comes from above. And so you just, you go to that chapter and you go, okay, well, I mean, right out of the bat, like love keeps no record of wrongs. Seeks not its own. Bro, hang it up, man. Seriously? People are like, no, dude, I don't, I don't keep records of wrongs. Okay. Tell me about what's going on in your life. And then you listen to people unpack their story and where they're frustrated in their life. And how they're going to the Lord and they're pleading and, you know, because things aren't what they think should be. Yeah. Meanwhile, you're saying you love God. Think about that. You just kept record of wrongs and insisted on your own way. Yet you love? No. <laughs> like you should right now be feeling the weight of that going, oh, shit. You know, yeah. It's like, yeah. That's what he's driving home here. Is that love is good and it is beautiful and amen for it. That is the way forward, but it's not of you. It's not a game of, of focusing on you and other people and measure mapping and managing your way forward. It's actually getting lost in the person and the work of Jesus so that as you do walk in love, it becomes a joyful thing that's birthed and flowing through you. Mm -hmm. It's something that you that you're noticing in reverse. It's not something that you're aiming at in advance. Mm -hmm. And dude, those are two totally different things. Right. And so that's yeah, because it's into the other. You know, this brushes up against like, you know, what we would call all the spiritual disciplines or what people have called yep. the rhythms of grace or the disciplines of, of grace. Um, and a lot of times what I find in those conversations is it kind of starts with people knowing that they're, they're lacking um yep. that pity you know that comes from man just living in this world dude you know just living with yourself mm. and a lot of times man like it's really not like a relationship you know with a god who made you and reconciled you that's the goal what usually starts is like yeah man like i'm just 
I just don't have it together, man. Well, here's this pathway, dude. Come on, start start coming on Sundays. Join a mm-hmm. small group. Join a Bible study. Start reading your Bible more. Start praying more. And I think what you're going to find, you're going to start overcoming some of these things, right? So what I'm saying is a lot of times they're presented as a means to a better you, a more yeah. sanctified you, not, not, not to get lost in and freaking just be overwhelmed by this Jesus who was God made flesh, who declared yeah. it as finish yeah. to get lost in, in him, to get lost in, in his love, to find rest, you know, in that, because as we've said before, a lot of times, like, you know, I would say fruit is promise in this life. We get into that. Mm-hmm. God is at work, you know, yeah. in us for sure. For sure. But it's 100%. not so much, it's not so much aimed at in advance, like something that we like take into our own hands. It's more like something that's noticed in reverse. It's noticed mm-hmm. in the rear view mirror. A lot of times, dude, like when love's at play, you don't really like, it doesn't feel like a lot of effort. It doesn't yeah. feel like, you know, just this grimy, gritty, just drag of a duty. Yep. When love's at play, whatever you're doing in the name of love is really yeah. a joy. Yeah. And you're not at the center of it at all. The other person is at the center of it. Yeah, my spouse needed me to do this thing. And man, I just, I was so freaking annoyed, frustrated, didn't want to do it. <laughs> Started thinking about it. And I was like, you know what, man, like to really love them, this is, this is what I got to do, man. And so I just freaking pulled up them bootstraps, dude. And I didn't want to, but, but man, I, I got after dude and I did it. Things, things, things went well, man. They went better. And I hear that all the time. And just to be clear, I say that jokingly. I know you laugh because we do that. You know what I mean? We're not like above anybody in this. But the point I'm getting at here is you find yourself going, yeah, um, I don't think that's love. I think that's just you wanting a, a more peaceful home. And so you did what you knew you needed to do so things would go better. Which is not a bad thing. I'm not saying like, no, don't do this. I'm just saying you're free to stop calling that the fruit of love. Okay. Let the fruit of love be from above and it's beautiful and it's simple. And it's something again, you'll notice in reverse. And I think that's the life that God's inviting us into. And to contrast this whole measure map managed thing, again, what I was saying earlier, that is a, you take up your mantle and make it happen way forward. Versus what I find in the scriptures is no wait, watch, and walk is what it seems to be. This 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 life of rest. Yeah. This this life of walking in faith, hope, and love. And in Galatians, Paul literally says this. He says, um, he says to the people, chapter five, okay, verse five. He's talking to this like misguided, right, spiritual effort that these believers have grabbed onto. And he says, Listen, for through the spirit. By faith, we ourselves eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness. For in Christ Jesus, okay, the one in whom you live, the one who is life, neither circumcision, religion, okay, effort, managing, nor uncircumcision, okay, lawlessness, counts for anything. Neither one counts for anything, but only faith working through love. So right off the bat, 
you're going to notice, you know, those, those words that if you go back to first Corinthians 13, they're right there, faith, hope, and love for this is the life God has given us. Mm -hmm. And I think what we're doing in chapter five, we're saying, if you don't see this, okay, you can easily spend your entire life pursuing an idea of what it means to, 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 to live the Christian life, to walk with God, to be faithful and completely miss the actual life God's given you. It's a life of faith, hope, and love, but it doesn't come from, from pulling up some bootstraps, man, and a bunch of disciplines that you put into place. It actually comes far different from that. So Paul, like already right, told these believers that, the, you know, the righteous shall live by faith. We see that in chapter three. Okay. Verse 11. And it makes sense. And we have this written here. It says it makes sense that he would call them to a life of waiting and faith because of this. The word wait in scripture does not mean sitting back and twiddling your thumbs. Okay. Instead, it looks like someone eagerly, eagerly anticipating the arrival of their Uber driver when standing outside a restaurant on a cold January night in Chicago. Waiting is the eager yearning for a God who desires for us to walk in the harmony and the witness of love even more than we do. Mm -hmm. So, yes, you're going to notice discrepancies, man, hypocrisy, right, in your own life. And so am I. You're going to be faced constantly with struggles because your nature is just always going to be at war with what is good and beautiful. Mm -hmm. And the control thing that's in you is going to be, right, like reaching for that thing. And so Paul says, wait, we wait for him who shows up in our lives. Mm -hmm. And amen. And then we walk. We walk right? in it. Yep. And it's um, it's frustrating waiting. Yeah. Uh, I'd rather take it into my own hands. I'd rather pull myself up by my own bootstraps. Yeah, um, this is a very, very tricky thing we're talking about. And back when I was um, pastoring, I kind of was, I kind of had this MO of like, I wasn't afraid of the hard conversation. So if I would get wind of, you know, somebody who had like a real struggling marriage, um, mm. or personally they got something, you know, going on, I wasn't afraid to reach out to that person, you know, take them out to coffee, you know, lunch, whatever, and just like dive into it at the time. I would say like, I, it was kind of like rooted in, in care. Um, I think there was some care in there, but it was just like, I kind of just saw the Christian life as this real mechanical thing, you know, as like, Hey dude, like this is what's going on. You really need to repent and start jumping on this, you know, this performance train, you know, over here. And there was a lot of pressure you put on, there was a lot of guilt. Right. And I just assumed that like, uh, fruit and changing, I kind of like kind of skipped the heart in that process, even though I knew it was about the heart. Um, but I thought it would be just like this quick turnaround until um, I really wrestled with, um, you know, something kind of rooted in my transition away from the church in 2016. I had a leader that I just kind of shared some stuff with. I let him in, you know, to this thing. And I, I did not, I did not receive, you know, I did not experience him as a friend. It was, it felt more mm -hmm. corporate than that. And I remember just being pissed, man, about that. 
you know, this is supposed to be like this leader of my life. And, you know, instead of being a friend, you know, it was just kind of like, all right, cool. Like, let's start this transition process, you know, kind of a thing. And it was just like, it was just so lame, dude. It was so lame. Yeah. And I remember just being like pissed about that, dude. It wasn't until it wasn't until, or this happened like 2015, dude, it wasn't until like 2020 where like, I fought the law on the law one, so to speak, you know, mm. um, it, like dude, just wrestling with bitterness and anger and unforgiveness. And dude, I did every damn thing under the sun that I would have told someone to do back when I was pastoring. Yeah. Read these verses, memorize these verses, confess it out loud, go to the person, you know what I'm saying? Like all these things. And dude, I'm just telling you, like my heart, it, it just, it just wasn't happening. And so just through a series of events, yeah. literally, man, I kind of died because I was carrying this thing so long that it just kicked my ass. And I got to a place just like at the very, very bottom, dude, where I finally, like all my performance, all my effort, all my trying, it just mm -hmm. fell way short. And so what I'm saying is um, allowing the time, I think that sometimes God um, is okay with mm -hmm. uses at times we want faster turnarounds, dude, especially yeah. like in the church world, we want it to go. We want it to go quick. We want like one conversation one week and boom, you know, the guy's experience or the gal's experience, like this kind of turnaround waiting, watching and walking and depending on him. Dude, a lot of times that's a really, really long process. We don't have the patience for it, nor do we even have it in our understanding that that's even like, okay. Yeah. Like, no, dude, like repent now, change now, start doing these things now. Yeah, we, we I, I think we fail to see that, you know, it says we, in that verse that we were quoting from Galatians, we eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness. That's a phrase that's referring to God's not interested in plastic fruit. Yeah. Because plastic fruit's not real. Mm -hmm. It doesn't taste good. It doesn't make delicious pies. You know, so I'm getting, I'm thinking about fruit and pies right now. We've been cooking a lot lately. Which is we always want to like walk in this fake plastic, like deliverance. You know, we had this moment. Yeah, cool, yeah. man. I realize this is right. Man, I'm delivered. Cool. Like. You know, and then like you tell all these people in your community or you tell your pastor or like mm -hmm. you say it to yourself. And then all of a sudden you're like, man, I'm not really fixed at all. I still kind of am really struggling with this particular thing in like a very, very deep way. But yeah. now we have to posture as if we're delivered. As if we're doing better. Yeah. As if we're doing better. And the whole thing, dude, is just you trying to be Lord of your life. <laughs> yeah. Like that's just like the the thing staring at us, you know, in the mirror is we, you know, faith, this life of faith, hope, and love faith would be the, you know, faith would be the waiting independence on Jesus, which is something that you know, I love in your story that you just shared. You had a, a real game plan for how to do this with the measure map manage, you know, framework. I was dipping in all the tools that I had, you yeah. know, yeah, and tools like they work great on an engine. They don't work great on a human heart. You know what I mean? This isn't mechanics. And so by faith, you were waiting independence on Jesus and then hope, right? Faith, hope, and love. 
at, you know, with hope you were watching for the fruit of righteousness, the fruit of someone else, the fruit of someone else giving you this forgiveness, letting go of the bitterness, being able to, to love in spite of all the wrong that was done against you, man. Mm-hmm. That's not something you can conjure up. No. But through time, because God time, knows I tried. Our time. Yeah. <laughs> he did exactly what he promised he would do in Philippians. He right? He he completes the work that he started in you. And I think that's where the walking comes from. It's walking in the promised fruit of Jesus. His yoke is easy, his burden is light. His words, not mine. Okay. And he will complete the work. And he will do it in his time. Yeah. And we have the joy of living a life independence on him like children, which, you know, is pretty fitting when you look at the difference between, you know, independence and dependence. This is why Jesus held up children as examples of the greatest in his kingdom. And I'm just going to go ahead and end here, dude, because I love this. And it's, it's right at the end of the book. It says they have Jesus holds up children as examples, the greatest examples in his kingdom, because they have no moral resumes to boast or a spiritual prowess to bring to the table. What do they have? Well, they have empty hands waiting to be filled and empty mouths waiting to be fed. They are the quintessential models of reception. This example is fitting when you realize that Christ's kingdom is all about God giving and us receiving, not us accomplishing. That's why Jesus said to a reluctant Peter when attempting to wash his feet, if I do not wash you, you have no part of me, Peter. Translation, the only way a person experiences Jesus is through being served. Dude, we are free to stop obsessing over our need to get better. Yeah. In fact, when you stop obsessing over your need to get better and how you're getting better, that is actual sanctification. Right. That is growth. Yeah. That is the Christian. Yeah, we call it, yeah, we call it self-forgetfulness. The other stuff is like a lot of like a radical introspection. You're constantly like examining your heart, looking at yourself, working on yourself, all these spiritual disciplines, you're looking inward. That's kind of what I was alluding to For earlier. Sure. It's just this radical introspection. Faith by definition is to look outside of yourself onto something else. Yeah. It's 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 to, you know, it, it's to it's to cast your trust onto another object. And I think if there's a, um, if there's something here about community, even about being like a leader in a community, I think instead of like trying really, really hard to be the Holy spirit in someone's life and like fix them according to your timetable, or at least a reasonable timetable, according to your human senses, Mm -hmm. um, we get to enter into that weight, watch walk, with people too, with no expectation and just be a friend to listen to them. Right. To remind them of the truth for sure. Right. Yeah. But to do so not in like a judgmental way or not in a way where there's this pressure to like fix a person or even like convince a person because we know that this needs to come from above. And so we get to patiently just be a friend to someone because we know that this is his gig, dude. This is his work. Like all this stuff, dude, is like way above my pay grade, man. Like I don't, like I am not, like when Jeremiah 17 said, the heart is desperately wicked beyond comprehension. Who can understand it? Like we can't, I can't even understand my own heart at times, let alone someone else's. 
And the very next line in Jeremiah 17 is, I, the Lord, I know it. I know the human heart. And so that's where he's at work. That's his expertise in a place that's a mystery to us. So we get to just trust alongside of a friend as they hurt through whatever, you know, this thing that they're, you know, trying to overcome. It could Mm -hmm. be a bitterness thing. It could be, you know, a personal just you know, thing that is sabotaging the relationships around them, an anger thing or, you know, whatever. Um, We get to just be a friend to them with no strings attached, no expectations, and just wait with them in that particular thing. Yeah. Yeah. One of my favorite lines I've ever, that we have written down anywhere is from Annette when she talked about uh, discovering the church as friends without next steps. Hmm. Like there it is. I'm a friend. I have good news. And I'm just going to walk with you in it. Yeah. Whatever the Lord does, he does. In me and in you. That's what it means, dude, to walk and rest. That is Reclaim Chapter 5. And there's a lot more nuggets in there for anybody who's grabbed a copy. You'll see it when when you dive in. But yes, man, enjoy. There's such a relief in that chapter, dude. Until next time. Until next time. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers.